companies spend millions of dollars and years of R&D uh, to develop technology. And if a foreign government or industrial competitor can come in and steal that at a fraction of the cost and be able to utilize that right, right away, that's a significant threat to an organization. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky, and today I'm on the line with the wonderful Peter Wormke. Welcome to the show, Peter. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for the invitation to be on the show. Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. Now, you have a very interesting backstory, and on today's call, we're going to be looking at that. But predominantly, we're going to be focusing in on your new book. It's called Confessions of a CIA Spy, The Art of Human Hacking. But before we do any of that, Peter, I think it's important, um, I guess, for the sake of context, to just share with the My Future Business audience a little bit about yourself. I'm wondering if we can start off... Uh, uh, from your professional background? Sure, Rick. Uh, I, my former life, I could say, we usually refer to that, uh, former life, but <laughs> my former <laughs> career, I was, <laughs> I was an intelligence officer uh, for the CIA. In that capacity, I lived almost my entire career with them overseas uh, for the purpose of collecting intelligence, information that would help policymakers back in Washington make better informed decisions. So they would provide me with intelligence requirements. I would have to find out what organizations and who within those organizations would have access to information to satisfy those requirements. Then I would need to try to gain access to those people and try to influence them to facilitate access to that information or to provide that information to me. So in essence, uh, I breached security of a lot of organizations while I lurked overseas while I worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. And so that, that was a very, it was a very uh, rewarding, uh, satisfying career for me. I learned a lot, but I wanted to continue. I kind of wanted to continue to use what I learned yeah. uh, as, as a human hacker and what, and what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's fantastic insights. It it seems you know unreal that these types of roles exist, but I guess that that the, the threat is almost omnipresent. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about that in a moment, um, Peter. But sure, you, you moved on, and you um, when you left the CIA, you created Counterintelligence Institute. I love the name. Um, what inspired yeah, What inspired you to do that? You be, a little bit. More. Well, actually, when I retired, I I went to work for for a few years for another company that was providing a training services for members of the Department of Defense. And it was very rewarding. I, 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 I enjoy training, I enjoy mentoring, but I always felt that there was a great need here and not just here in the United States, but mm -hmm. in the world for sensitization, understanding of the great grave threats that come from external actors who are who try and many times succeed in breaching security of organizations. You hear of uh, these massive data breaches that happen on a regular basis and they become larger uh, in the amounts of damage and the amount of money that's, that's being spent. Like, for example, I think in 2019, mm -hmm. 
the average cost of a data breach for a U.S. company was over $8 million. Oh, wow. The average for worldwide, worldwide average was 3.9. And that's only the tip of the iceberg because a lot of data breaches are not reported. I would say the vast majority of data breaches are not reported because uh, they tend to only be reported there's a legal requirement to do so. Otherwise, why would an organization want to report something that's going to end up being a, a blow to their reputation mm-hmm. and, and potentially a loss of business and even open them up for potential some uh, sim- civil uh, litigation. So they're, typically a lot of these breaches aren't reported. The, the problem is much larger than what uh, you would be led to believe by, by hearing about these incidences in the, in the media. But and, and, and nevertheless, I wanted to get out and really try to work with organizations to help them understand these threats and to help them protect themselves against these threats. And what I like about what I do is because it's not only helping the organization. A lot of this happens to helping sensitize their employees who become the stewards of protecting the organization, protecting the information in the organization. In turn, the employees are also learning how to apply this in their own personal life, how to safeguard their own financial well-being because individuals are targeted uh, also for identity theft. And if these employees see that there is a personal benefit for them to learn about these things, uh, even more so they are interested in learning because otherwise it becomes this uh, annual compliance yeah. A training that companies have, and you and you watch these funky videos, you know. <laughs> employees, you know, it's kind of requirement. Yeah, you got to do it. Employees got to, you know, get you got to do this by a certain date. So they click on the video, watch watch that while they're multitasking and they're they're looking at their emails, they're doing yeah. a lot of other things. Yeah. And then they're asked, you know, then they're asked a few questions, and if they get it wrong, they can come back and and watch it again, you know, and, yep. and eventually they'll get the questions right, and they don't really retain it because they don't see it as anything. It's really important for them. It's not priority. My approach is, though, that it is important for all of us. Absolutely. Thank you for providing that insight. Um, The thing that came to my mind, when you work with a client, um, I don't want to go too deep into the details because I'm sure there's a lot that goes on. Is it kind of initially when you first contact a new client, is it it a bit like an audit? Is is that the approach? You look at the business and you um, do, I guess, a bit of an overview audit and you tell them where you think the gaps are? How does it actually work? There's a number of different ways. First of all, when, when uh, we try to approach organizations here, the initial reaction is, uh, oh, uh, there's no problem. It's kind of like complacent. There's no problem. Mm. You know, we've never had that problem. And even though they hear about these going on with other organizations, well, it's happened to that other company or that other person. It, you know, it can't happen to me yeah. until it does. it does happen. And then they, then they want to look for a solution. It's sort of like that individual that says, ah, I don't need a, I don't need an alarm for my security system for my house until they stop <laughs> for a break in. And then all of a sudden, yeah, then all of a sudden you need that, right? Hindsight's so, 2020. Exactly. But, but in answer to your question, uh, there's a couple of different ways. There are some that only want, you know, help us better understand the problem, uh, talk about it via workshops. And, but there's other ones that, that say, Let's do a vulnerability assessment. Let's see what's 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 been done up to now. Where are our vulnerabilities, and then we'll we'll include a work. We'll include a awareness training for our employees, and yep. then I then we'll also test them periodically. And you have this periodic 
you know, re, uh, training, but but also the the employees are being uh, tested. Yeah. Tested. There's different social engineering attacks, the attempts that will be uh, will be conducted and see how they react. The important thing is that they never be chastised if they do something wrong while we're doing this testing. Uh, but that that information is shared for the benefit of the entire community in the organization. These are the different types of, because they're always changing. We always yeah. try to show different types of ploys. It's to kind of keep everybody on their toes and keep them thinking, assessing their situation. Yeah, and now it's, it's not, not just a, a, a chart of I do's and I don'ts. It's no, absolutely not. The thing, the thing I'm taking away from this, Peter, is this is lifelong learning, not only for the businesses and the corporations that you're working with, but it's also um, things that people can take away, as you mentioned, uh, in their personal lives. So I think there's a great deal of value in that. Now, um, this seems to me also, Peter, if you could talk to this, that this is um, when you work with a client, it's more, more of a, a long-term relationship. Would you agree with that? I agree that, that that ideally, I mean, in, in the times it is a long-term relationship, and other times it's just a transactional. Well, uh, provide us with this one audit, or provide us with uh, some initial training. Come in, give a workshop, yeah. and that's all they want. But yeah. really, the best, the very best uh, situations for for the client, and of course for myself, yeah. uh, would be to establish a relationship where you're coming in and you are assessing where they're at. You provide them with with uh, advice, and you also provide their training training to their employees, and not just I mean employees at all levels. This is not just training for you know the secretary the or top training tiers for, and stuff. It's it's for at all tiers, including management, including the C suite. It's so important that the suite the C suite be on board and understand this problem. And not only employees. When we talk about I talk about insiders a lot. Okay, that's the term I use. Yep. And insiders are anyone who has regular, non-escorted, unescorted access into facilities or unescorted access onto the IT network. So it's practically all the employees mm. that could, could be leveraged as insiders by a threat actor to gain to breach the security, as well as contractors or even other associated companies that are doing business with, yes. with the target entity could also be targeted. Contractors and the likes. Now, I'd love to... Talk about this book, Confessions of a CIA Spy, mm. The Art of Human Hacking. You must have so much experience and needed to maybe compile it. Let's talk about how this book came about. What was the inspiration? Sure. I guess I always had this dream that I would be, not an author, I would say, but, but put out a book someday, right? So a book yep. that could be useful. And and so that was kind of a goal in the back of my mind. And and all of a sudden, which I think the last time I was on your show was December of 2019. And it was right at the, yeah, right in the beginning of setting up my company. And I was very excited. And things started to really uh, materialize quite well in getting opportunities to speak, opportunities to come in. Things were scheduling on my calendar beginning of 2020. And it looked very promising. And then all of a sudden, overnight, you know, overnight, we're looking at late February, early March, 2020, March. everything was being canceled. Oh, yeah. And it, and it was just like I couldn't believe it. I said, I, I've, uh, I've spent my life learning, <laughs> learning these <laughs> techniques, and I finally got this courage and bravery to come out and, and set up this institute, and everything was looking good. And, and then all of a sudden, what am I going to do? Because you, most of this required, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, meetings with people, face-to-face -face discussions. You know, how am I going to audit a company if everybody's home? 
You know, we, the remote <laughs> workforce is home. It's kind of, it's, it's much more difficult. So a lot of these things were being placed on hold. I mean, I had uh, things scheduled not only in the United States, but even in Brazil and, and uh, a couple of other foreign uh, locations. That there was a lot of interest. But then all of a sudden, it was shut down, uh, canceled or, you know, delay, indefinitely delayed. Deferred. And so I'm, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I always wanted to put out this book. If I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Yeah. So I grabbed my laptop. I'm at home in isolation, fortunately next to a pool. And I began <laughs> to type away. I began to type away. And literally, it didn't take me very long to, to write it. I mean, it's some 30,000 plus words, but it didn't take me. It just flowed. It flowed. It flowed very well. Yeah. And so I, I put the book together decided to send it out to several of my colleagues for them to read. It was very encouraging, their feedback. Then, because I'm a, I'm a former CIA officer, anything that I publish, or even if I go out to speak at events, uh, and it brings in my experience with the CIA, I need to get their approval. Mm -hmm. So I had to send the manuscript to the CIA's um, publication review board. And of course, I was a little bit nervous thinking, well, you know, I'm kind of in, at their mercy. Uh, but fortunately, very easy to work with. They, they sent me back the manuscript. There was a, a number of lines that were totally blacked out, which is normal. Yeah. And so I had to go back and, and rework a few things. But I got that approved and, uh, and, and they decided to, to put out the, to, to, to try to get this book published by the end of 2020. And, and pretty much I'm there because the uh, launch date, the release date, is going to be the 14th of February, just in a matter of, uh, of, of a week from when we're, we're discussing right now. It's a real credit to you because it's one thing to write a book and see it through to fruition, but it's another thing to have an extra layer like you've just explained and actually um, get to that point where you're just about to publish this wonderful book. Now, let's talk about the content and the structure. What are readers likely to find in there? Okay, this sort of mirrors what I, what I teach in workshops, okay? But I decided another purpose for this book is I'm limited in how I can get this word out and working with companies because I can work with a company and they can, uh, they can bring me in to, to, to sensitize their employees. But at the end of the day, how many companies am I gonna be able to speak with in the course of the next few years? And there's yeah. a lot of, until the, and so there's a lot of people that will never ever have the benefit of learning these things, things basically that I mean, a couple of decades of, of work that someone can pick up and read a book and in three hours, four hours, they can pretty much pick up the most important lessons learned from my career of human hacking. So it's, I wanted to be able to get it out in, into the hands of people that would never, ever uh, have the benefit or the opportunity to, to, to learn about these things. So that was one of the motivating things of saying, let's, let's, let's also do this book because it's the right time. And, and I, I want to get to the wider audience. So back to your question, what I do is I take a, the reader as mm -hmm. if it were an employee in a company, say, look, what we look at here is why would your organization be targeted? You know, and who might target them? It, it might be a criminal group. It might be a, an intelligence service. It might be an industrial competitor. It might be an activist group, or it might be even a, a lone wolf. Okay, what's their motivations? It, it's not it's not only financial there could be other motivations but what are the objectives okay the objectives could be could could be the could be a number of them it could be to steal proprietary information you know companies spend millions of dollars 
in years of R&D uh, to develop uh, technology. And if, a, and if a foreign government or industrial competitor can come in and steal that at a fraction of the cost and be able to utilize that right, right away, I mean, that's, that's a significant threat to an organization that could be targeted for that. Could be targeted yeah. for customer data and, or employee data that's uh, transactional information that's uh, bought and you know, offered on the dark web and sold. And sometimes these, by criminal groups, these criminal groups, they also offer this information to, to foreign intelligence services, okay? Uh, and foreign intelligence services, there, there are some that are also off after particular private organizations. It, China is a big uh, state entity, I mean, foreign government that's after information um, regarding, um, regarding companies. Yep. The proprietary information. So there's a number of reasons. There's also to 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 lever um, ransomware, ransomware attacks, which are huge. I think 7.9 billion dollar costs to U.S. Uh, businesses in 2019. Then there's business email compromise. For your listeners who maybe don't know what that is, think of it as someone gaining access to your network and being able to impersonate a more senior official who has authority to request wire transfer, to, to pass on wire transfer instructions. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe for, a, uh, maybe for a payment of a purchase, a purchase of something that's being imported in, or maybe uh, some other payment to a vendor, they will send an email, you know, the, the nefarious character will, will impersonate the official, send an email to an underling in the company saying, we need to pay this right now. And, every, and it, it might sound like, yeah, this is a vendor we've, we've had in the past and everything sounds right, except the, the account number, the bank and account number are a little bit different. Different. And once, you know, and once that money is sent out, oh. it's gone. It's gone. And, and that's, I think the FBI said that it's a cost of the, it was, it was a $26 billion cost to the U.S. economy over a three-year period, cumulatively. So this is big. Right, yeah. and it could so other types of attacks could also be uh, sabotage, you know, uh, uh, or, or try to damage to the brand, try to damage to maybe to the reputation of of officials. So there's a lot of reasons why a organization could be targeted. And then though, this is sort of something. I, this is a reaction I get from people. Oh, but ah, we got nothing in our organization that would be of interest to uh, intelligence service or criminal groups. And I said, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute, because have you ever heard of such a thing called the hard target? We refer to that a lot of times in the intelligence world when the hard target is one that's very difficult to penetrate, to get at what we're trying to, the objective we're trying to accomplish. But that doesn't mean we walk away from it. We still mm. look at who can we target that could give us access to that hard target. And what's, what's a softer target? Many times it's going to be those entities that, that conduct business with them or provide services to them, law firms, CPA firms, um, IT management companies, uh, uh, temporary office, uh, office staffing firms, et cetera. These are the companies that we can, we can gain access to to get at the bigger fish. So never assume, I tell my, my clients, never assume that your organization could not be targeted because it might not you might not be what they're after they're after who you're doing business with so we go through this sort of thing of why why, why would you be targeted and by whom and for what reason then try to help the the, the the employees understand 
what is the process? What's the methodology? No yeah. one's going to attack your your entity without doing their own due diligence. It's just like if I'm trying, you know, if, if 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 criminals or terrorist group is trying to kidnap somebody, they don't just go up there and just pick try to pick them up. They're going to study this individual. They're going to collect as much information on this individual to be able to identify where is the best place that we can intersect them, where we can maximize our, our success and and uh, lower the risk of compromise. So in the same way, it, threat actors are going to take a look at these organizations. They're going to study them. And today with the World Wide Web, it's amazing amount of information that's out there. And so I, I lead um, I lead it with these workshops through all the different areas that we can go to obtain publicly available information, yeah. but things that people don't normally think about, but things that really make their, their companies vulnerable. Then going on beyond that, one of the most important areas of doing that sort of uh, initial research is identifying those insider targets. Okay. Now, in the old, in, you know, in, in my day, it was sort of like we just have to find them as targets of opportunity. Try to try to try to go out there and attend trade shows, attend cocktail receptions, go to clubs where they where people from that organization might be going, and mm-hmm. hopefully run into somebody. Or the golden grail would be getting a organizational chart, uh, listing a positions within the company and names, and then trying to figure out who has access to what. These that's that is so old it's now. All online. It's, it's all online. This is only the last, you know, uh, 10 years or so. It's all online. I can go to LinkedIn, right? Everybody's familiar with LinkedIn. I'm sure you have a page. I know you have a page, okay? So I go, I go to an organization. If I want to do a search, I can do this in like five minutes. I go on LinkedIn. I go up to the upper left corner and do a search yep. for people, okay? So I can just put in there uh, name of the company, and let's say the position, maybe IT administrator, maybe receptionist, maybe whatever. And if it's a large company, just doing that is going to yield thousands of hits, okay, thousands. And then I, then I can tighten that up. I can do the company I, because thousands, because it's all the people that worked for that company at some time where they put in their profile that they had that position. It could have been, could be right now that they're in that position. It could be in previous in employees. So we can tighten that up. We can do current position and, and, and position, position name, name of company, geographic location, uh, names of an association they might be a member of, even the name of a university that they may have went to. And the reasons these type of additional things are, are really important for us because then we can, when we, when we, uh, we can talk a little bit about this in a few minutes from now, when I make the approach, we tie in those things that we know that they've done and we we mimic that in our approach so we can build this rapport with them that we know their university we've we've also gone to the university and people uh. readily connect they feel that rapport when when uh, there's some when the person has something in common with them so so we can use something like Lincoln to come in come up with with these potential candidates then I got that pool of candidates now let me try to collect on them those that have a very limited social media presence, I'm going to discard. Why am I going to waste my time? Because there are a lot of other people, a lot of people, that 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 are all out there. They put all their information on social media. And yeah. my favorite three go-to locations when I'm assessing a potential insider is going to be LinkedIn, of course. Think about everything on LinkedIn, everything that's there, your, your entire professional resume, 
and also includes a few other additional you know things like uh, volunteer work uh, the groups that you're interested in publications maybe that you put out and of course your your network of professional contacts all that is extremely useful it would take me literally several meetings to try to get that information from someone if I try to approach them like in my, in my previous life. Here I can get this all in, in, minutes. In, in, in minutes. Okay, that's LinkedIn. Then I go into Facebook and I can learn about their hobbies, their pastimes, their, you know, what, what music genres they like, what are their favorite music groups, what sports teams do they follow, where have they traveled to, where, who have they traveled with, um, what are their favorite restaurants, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All these different things that are very, really, really insights into to, to these people, what's, a, what's important to them. Of course, pictures, pictures are worth a thousand words. I can learn a lot about their social economic status through these pictures. Then I can move on to Twitter, okay? Twitter is sort of like a play-by-play -play action of what someone's doing during the day. What's their pattern of life when they're not at the office, when they're not at home, when they're going out, you know, I'm on my way to the gym or I'm on my way for happy hour with yes. my friends, whatever. And they're always commenting, commenting on things, you know, and that can reveal to us, give us insight into their, their political leanings, their ideology, their religious convictions, their likes or what their pet peeves are. So all these things. And now, why don't you call it human hacking? Yeah. Okay. Now I can use these things to develop a, a profile, personality assessment profile on them to primarily come up with what are the motivations the things that drive them to get out of bed in the morning. You know, mm -hmm. I can go down a whole long list, you know, yep. where the top is going to be money, what money can buy, their family, educate their education, education for their children, career progression, uh, desires, wants, maybe foreign tra travel, the dream vacation, uh, maybe it's, uh, it's, it's studying their own business, maybe it's, it's uh, maybe ideology, maybe religion is very important to them. You got a, a whole bunch of different things that are really motivate them. What are they passionate about? Yeah. And then vulnerabilities. We think of motivations as positive, uh, vulnerabilities as sort of negative, but for a social engineer, for a human hacker, hacker they are both very important, okay? So vulnerabilities, uh, top of the list is gonna be money. Here it's the lack of money, severe financial duress. Now you can think about how powerful this is, and even more so now, you can have a company that has retained their employee, the employee has not suffered by loss of their job, but maybe someone else in their household has lost their income. So they're feeling the pain back at home. They're, they have to cut back and maybe they're, you know, they're, they, they still can't make ends meet and they have all this pressure. Financial stress leads to stress in relationships, uh, separations, divorce, etc. Go down the whole list. It leads yeah. to different types of addictions, uh, gambling, drinking, drug addiction. Uh, I mean, I can go down a whole list of type of vulnerabilities. Uh, I guess I want to highlight also revenge in this type of business is huge. Uh, people wanting to get back at their supervisor, getting back at their employer, being unhappy with how they're treated. Ego, ego is very strong vulnerability because they think they're smarter than anybody else, nice. including the supervisor, and they can prove it. Uh, mm -hmm. People with low uh, self-esteem, no one pays attention to them. They think they are failures until the social engineer enters their life. So you can see, we, we, we play with these motivations and vulnerabilities that we identified, okay? And yeah. then we know that we can leverage these and a whole, different, a whole variety of social engineering tactics or ploys, that, techniques that we can use when going after a company and trying to penetrate a company.
That's amazing insight. That's the only word that I can describe that. It's such a important topic that a lot of us are just looking away from. And hence, I think businesses, organizations that are listening to this call, you know what? Maybe this is time to start thinking about this a little closer. Um, I, I want to ask you, Peter, Is this? can this be a cover to cover read? Can it be used as a guide or is it, you know? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, when I started this uh, goal of putting out this book, I learned a lot in the process because this is self-published. I didn't want to go with a traditional publisher. I wanted to do this on my own and learn everything along the way, and I'm glad I did. Um, in the end, it, it is a, it's a paperback, 30,000 words. It can be, typically it's a read of uh, maybe three, three and a half hours total, and most people that read it, they can't put it down. It, it, it's so easy. It's so easy to understand. It flows very well. So it's in the pa it's in paperback. And it's also an ebook on Kindle. Yeah. So these are it's all, it's offered on Amazon for now, and the audiobook will be coming out in a matter of a couple weeks. So there's no excuse <laughs> not <laughs> to be able to read if it's something of interest to you. It's not. There's no excuse to, to not really get it and enjoy it and and to to benefit benefit. Uh, from it. You know what? They say you can't buy experience, but you can certainly buy this book. Now, for everybody who's been on the call today, if you're a business owner, a corporation, somebody of uh, influence within the business, and this has got you thinking, make sure that you uh, reach out to Peter. I will be providing all of the links back to Peter and this wonderful book of great insights. Um, and with all that being said, Peter, this has just been such an eye-opening call and thank you once again for spending some time with me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate the opportunity and it's been a great time. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.